after five taxis that wouldn't bring us here, we're here. About 20 minutes late, but I enjoyed part of the worship anyway. Thank you, man. I'm going to be in John 21 if you want to turn there this morning. Um, I'll uh, give a few introductory remarks as we go through. Uh, CCC, I'm from CCM, and I was watching our uh, Saturday night service in Florida this morning at 6 a.m., so uh, it's good to be here with you guys. I usually speak for an hour, but I normally never do here. That's why I get invited back once in a while, so uh, I'm going to go fast for you this morning. If you take notes, I'd encourage you to take some notes. I have some PowerPoints for you. And uh, let's just pray before we start. Father, as we open your word, it's living, it's active, and it changes our hearts and our lives. We're not just here to do church. We're here to have you speak to us. And I know you're going to. In Jesus' name, amen. There's three things in life that are priorities. You might want to write them down. You know them. God, people, and the use of our time. There really isn't anything else that matters eternally than God, people, and the use of our time. We have a a desire to love God And that word love sometimes is, uh, well, it's confusing to us. It is a noun, so you can see this. Love is a noun. It is an emotion. Uh, It's an intense feeling. Uh, It's affection. And that's kind of where many times we stop. I love you. Give me a big hug. But love is much more than a noun. You see, the Bible commands us to love one another. Well, you you can't command a feeling. So here's what I want you to understand. See if you can finish this statement with me. I know most of you can. Your actions speak louder than your, your words. So here's what I want you to write. Love is also a verb. It's, it's a verb. It's, it's actions. It's actually how we behave. Many people have the wrong idea about love. They think that love just happens and you don't have a choice. But love in the Bible is a command. Here's one for those of you that are married. Husbands, give your big wife, I mean your small wife, a big hug. No, love her. So that's going to require what? It's going to require some actions. We discover when Jesus came He took all those commandments, 613, and he put them into two. We have a bracelet. We we do a different bracelet every year at home so that people can recognize in the community because we have 10,000 people and nobody knows anybody else, and now they're all over the world. But here's our new bracelet for this year. It's called Love is a Verb, Love God, and Love People. Since God is a primary uh, of importance in our life, and people are, I- I'm, to, I'm to love them. Now, let me just read to you for time this morning, John 14, 15. Listen. If you love me, Jesus says, you will obey what I command. Let me read you another one, John 14, 23. 
Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, give me a big hug. No, he didn't say that. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. You see, there's a direct connection between love and obedience. There's a direct connection. We sometimes call that sticky love at home. You know, the purpose of the word is much like paint. Let me, let me give you an idea this morning. Let's just say this is a, a can of spray paint. And you're, and you're going to spray some flowers or a wall. The value of the paint is in the application. You got it? Hello? Can shake your heads yes, or do I need to go through it again? Okay, you got it. You can speak to me. It's okay. So the value of the paint is in the application. If you don't spray it, there's no value. The value of the word is in the application. See, unapplied paint is useless. Unapplied word is useless. So Jesus didn't say, if you love me, give me a big hug. He said, if you love me, obey what I command. Now, why did he say that? I think it's important for you to understand this next statement. Look at it. Every person wants to belong, be needed, be known, and be loved. There isn't a person here that doesn't want to belong. There isn't a person here that doesn't want to be needed in some way, shape, or form. Or to be known. People know, they, they recognize your face. They, they know who you are. And of course, we were made to be loved. You see, when we were created, we were created in a relationship. A relationship that would involve God and a relationship that would involve people. People. Now, when you think about that, I want to wake you up this morning, so get, get your hands out like this. It's, it's okay. You're in church. You, you can obey the pastor. It's okay. Okay? Uh, where, where is God? He's up. So we're going to love God. We're going to love God. And where's people? We're going to love people. So smack them right, right on the side. Just hit them. Just hit them. Just hit them. Now, now I want you to look at me, and we're going to practice again. Why are we here? To love God and to love people. And how we do that is the use of our time. That's what life is about. You see, when we leave this earth, there's only two things that are eternal. The person you're sitting next to and the Word of God. All the rest of the stuff doesn't matter. And I tried to think about that as five taxi drivers said, no, 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 no thinking, how am I going to get there? I don't know where it is. I don't have a cell phone. I borrowed four cell phones from people today and made it known. Can you imagine that? But see, it's about people. Now, I want you to think about receiving and giving love. And here's where we come in John chapter 21. Now, this is a huge chapter for application. When I, I'm, I'm going to read for you because of time. 1 Corinthians 13. 
And when you, when you hear this, it's, it's impossible. We, we don't relate to it. But these are really, this is love in action. Let me read it to you. Love is patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. That was for me this morning. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, you know as you read that, none of us match that. We're all a work in progress. At home, we're studying 1 John. And 1 John is a great principle to know that you know that you know that you know that you're a believer. You understand this morning that as Christians, we're not sinless. That's why we have 1 John 1, 9. But as we mature in Christ, we sin less. Did you get it? We're never sinless. But as we're Christians, we learn to sin less. That's where love comes in. I can't match those, but I'm working toward those. Now, in John chapter 21, let me give you a little background quickly, if you've turned there. Peter had failed the Lord miserably, you remember, on the night that Jesus was betrayed. Peter denied knowing him three times. And then we begin verse 1, because Jesus had said to his disciples after he appeared to them, you go up in Galilee, where we're from, go back north, and I'm going to meet with you. So let's look at your Bibles, verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. So eight of the 11 disciples are there. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, we don't really know why Peter led the guys to go fishing. There's a lot of speculation. We don't need to worry about that. But they're out fishing. Now, you, you know this, any of you that are fishermen, what is the worst thing you can have in your mind when you're getting ready to come into the shore and people go, hey, how was the catch? What's like the worst thing you're going to say? We caught what? Nothing. Well, these are professional fishermen. That's their deal. So watch what happens. Look at verse 4. Early in the morning, they've been fishing all night. Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? And what do they have to respond? No. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Now, what do you think they're thinking? Because this happened to them before. You're the teacher. We're the fishermen. We've tried it all night. This is a waste of time. But see, when God speaks, 
We need to step out. So notice what they did. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of a large number of fish. Then the disciples, now remember, this is the book of John. Then the disciples who Jesus loved, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. John had to put that in there. I'm a special disciple to Jesus. He says, they're in the boat. Watch me, we're in the boat. It's the Lord. First thing I want you to write down is this. Love does not boast. Would you write it down? Love does not boast. Love is not proud. You see, as they would come to shore with a boatload of fish, and the people around there would say, wow, what a great catch. Yeah, we found the famous place that we always know. It was us. They knew it was not them. You see, anything you and I do spiritually in life, you always want to go back to this. It's the Lord. God hates pride. We started a church 20 years ago. I was a hospital pharmacy for 25 years. We started a church 20 years ago. We have four campuses. It's just amazing what God's done. And after services, when I go home, here's what I say. It's the Lord. Anything in your life that's of value spiritually, would you just say it with me this morning? It's the Lord. Let's say it. It's the Lord. When I say that, what happens to pride? It's gone. God loves that. John says, who's, who's the one that told us to throw on the other side? That can be none other than the miracle worker Jesus, the resurrected Lord. It's the Lord. Verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, here comes headstrong, impulsive Peter. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken off, and he jumped into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. Now when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there, with fish on it, and some bread. When they land, they discover Jesus has already prepared a breakfast of charcoal fish with bread for these hungry disciples. They've been working all night. Would you write this down? Love is kind and thoughtful. Jesus didn't have to do that. Jesus thought of them. Now, if you're married, love is kind is a good deal. It's something you should practice in your home. Guys, if you want points, love is kind. Let me say that again. If you want points, love is kind. And find unique ways to do that. Do you know that sometimes we treat the one we love worse than people we work with? Love is kind and thoughtful. Well, kind is simply an outer sign of love. It, it's, it's a verb. It, it's action. It's not just words. You know, when they came ashore, Jesus didn't go, well, good morning. How are you guys? Love 
in action is the way we're to live. He's loving people. He's using his time wisely to touch people. Jesus said to them, verse 10, bring, bring some of the fish you've caught. And Simon Peter climbed aboard and he, he dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Here's what I want you to write this morning. Love, love is, it, it simply understand, it, it, it's not self-seeking. It's not selfish. Now think about this. Jesus had already prepared breakfast. He really doesn't need their fish. Do you actually think Jesus preparing breakfast would prepare too little? No, he doesn't need their fish. But he wants them to bring their fish. Basically, when he says to them, Come on, I want you to be part of this, and we're going we're gonna to eat breakfast together. Let me remind you of something. You know it already. Jesus doesn't need you, but he wants to use you. You know, I thought many times, because we see this in the book of Revelation, in the end times, we're going to have lots of Jewish evangelists, but he really doesn't need it because he sends an angel to the corners of the earth and presents the gospel. But he doesn't do that today. Today he assigns you and me to be what? Matthew 5, light and salt. So others can see our good works and glorify CCC or CCM. No one glorified the Father. See, we're here not to make us look good. We're here to make God look good. So Jesus doesn't need them, but he invites them to be part of it. He doesn't need you and me, actually. But he uses us. That's what gives us purpose. And that's what gives us meaning in life. Now, verse 12, Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came, watch this, he took the bread, guess who's going to serve them? And he gives it to them, and he did the same with the fish. Remember, this is a lot of application. This isn't can, a paint in a can. This is spraying all over the place. Would you write this down? love in our life, it, it simply serves others. How, how does this campus work here? How does this church work? There's hundreds of people serving you. Downstairs right now, you, your, your children are being served. They're being taught the Word of God, the music, all the, all the different things. That's the, way, that's the way this place works. Everything works that way. Remember one time Jesus, way early on, on the night that he was betrayed, he, he actually put a towel around them and and he washed their feet. See, in our world today, we like to go through and have somebody serve us. But the Christ follower is to serve others. How may I serve you? Many years ago, as we were beginning the church and we got into a new building, I called some church, I forget what it was, and on the other end of the phone, the receptionist said, Good morning. How may I serve you? 
the minute I got off the call, I told my executive secretary, you get that on every phone, and you do a little in-service, and anytime anybody calls our campus, first thing I, how can I help you? How may I serve? Does that sound good to you? That sounds great. So we've done that for like 10 years now. You see, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He said to his disciples early on, oh, no, 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 you're not going to be like the world. You came to serve. I came to serve. Let's spend our time serving God and serving people. Verse 14. Now, this was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Here's what you want to write down. You know this. Some of you may not understand this crazy English term, but love enjoys hanging out with others. Jesus just loved being with the disciples. He spent, he spent three years with 12 of them and lots of others. Here he's with eight. He's just spending hours with them. Jesus was practicing that verb. Love is a verb. He loved to do that. The early church got it. You guys, I can tell, get it. I mean, here you are. You were greeting one another for like forever. And I was saying, sit down. You're taking my minutes. Would you please sit? No, I didn't say that. But I could tell you guys loved just greeting one another. Look at the early church. What happened? Early, you know this from Acts chapter uh, uh, 2. Take a look on the overhead. I think you have it. There it is. They worship together. The, the New Testament church, the key word is always together. Together. Together is better. They worship together in the temple each day, and they're met in their homes. The Lord's Supper, they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Together. How did they learn that? From Jesus. It's good to hang out with one another. Now look at me just for a moment, and I'm going to go quickly to the next application. Jesus just took care of the physical. He just fed them. Now he's going to go to the spiritual. He's going to have to deal with Peter. You'll see in a moment. There were some spiritual things he wanted to finish with Peter. So the next love I want you to write is this. Love is patient. Love is patient. The first thing Jesus does that morning is not say to Peter, Hey, Pete, come to the side here. i got to deal with you. No, he fixed some breakfast. He's waiting for the right time talk to Peter. Now look at me. We know early on after the resurrection, Jesus met privately with Peter. He met privately with Peter. I'd love to have been there to hear the conversation. I'll never deny you. Really? But now he's going to talk with him a little more, just kind of bring it out, but he's going to do one more thing. When, when Peter that night you remember when Peter that night said, I don't care if all the disciples run away from you, I'm your man. So Jesus is going to have to have Peter admit in front of all the disciples, big mouth, proud mouth, you were wrong. You offended them. You were no better than them. So he's done the private, but he's going to do a little more public things. So take a look right now. Verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter. He's looking for the right time. By the way, when that night, when Jesus was being beaten, 
And Peter denied the Lord three times. Let me ask you a question. Sometimes we don't think about this. You think Jesus was hurt. How many think Jesus was hurt? How many don't think anything? Come on. How, how many think Jesus was hurt that night? When, when he looked out, he had already said to him what? You're going to deny me three times. Well, that's nice to say, but somebody you hung with for three years? Sure it hurt him. Do you know this morning, life is painful for everyone? Some hurts in life are unavoidable. To enjoy life, we have to learn how to handle the hurts of life. You can't ignore them. You can't go around them. You're going to be hurt. If you're married, you're definitely going to be hurt. If you're a human, you're going to be hurt. And so if I'm going to live life right, life is way too short to live in unforgiveness. Then I have to learn. I can't say, well, I'm going to try to avoid this relationship and this relationship and this relationship so I won't get hurt again. It will never work. So I have to learn to handle those hurts. Watch how Jesus handles his hurt. It's a beautiful picture for us. It's spray paint out of the can. Look at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, okay, feed, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus responded, okay, take care of my, my sheep. And then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And finally Peter responds like this, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, okay, feed my I want you to write this because sometimes we don't understand this. Love, love confronts. Ephesians 4.15 says this. We're to speak the truth in love. See, if I have a relationship with somebody, and I know they love me, and I'm doing something wrong, it's okay for them to correct me in love because I trust them. I need to be corrected. If you're a Christian, you need to be teachable. I need to be teachable. We all don't get it right. We're just imperfect people. And so Jesus is going to speak the truth and love to Peter. Now, twice he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Agape love, the highest kind of love, the, the commitment kind of love, God's kind of love. Peter had said initially on that night, I agape you. I love you with God's love. Well, Jesus is trying to go there. He's trying to say, Peter, that isn't going to work. And both of those times that Peter responds, Peter finally gets it. He's been humbled. He says, no, I really love you, phileo, it's kind of a human friendship kind of love. I wish I could have had that commitment, but I blew it. And the third time, interesting enough, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me now as a friend without that God kind of love? And Peter gets upset, and he says, you know, I just love you the best I can do, and that's all I can say right now. 
Why was Peter hurt? How many times did Jesus ask him if he loved him? Three. How many times did Peter deny him? Three. See, he, he's bringing it out there, and finally Peter is humbled, and he admits he has to do one thing. Let me ask you to write two little things down quickly. You can't do life being self-confident. You must do life being God-dependent. You cannot do life successfully being self-confident. You must do life God-dependent. So what, what he admits is, Peter finally says to Jesus, you knew it all along. You're exactly right. I will need you to do ministry. Now, we already know that Jesus forgave him, so I want you to write this down. Love keeps no record of wrongs. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. If we're going to enjoy life, we have to learn to live in forgiveness. Those of you that are married, you remember this. You forgave that spouse of something, and then later on, they say something, and you respond back with that very same thing, and they say, well, I thought you forgave me of that. Yeah, I know, but here you go again. What do you mean again? So this is a difficult one for some of you right now, and, and I just want to stop here, and I got just about three more minutes, and I'll be done. But I want you to see what forgiveness is. Look at forgiveness. See it on the overhead? It's undeserved, it's unmerited, and it's free. Paul says it like this in Colossians. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. How did God forgive us? Unmerited. I didn't deserve it. It was free. It didn't cost me anything. Maybe there's right now, I'm just going to say a 30-second prayer, and I want you to pray it with me. Maybe even as I'm speaking this morning, you're wasting valuable time because you're living with hurts that haven't been forgiven. You go, Pastor Mark, I, I, that person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. Maybe. You didn't either. Matthew 18 says forgiveness. Well, if I forgive them, that means I, I acknowledge what they did was okay. No, that does not. Jesus on the cross said, forgive them. It didn't say what they were doing to him was correct. It's never about that. See, life is too short to live in unforgiveness. My medical background will tell you it will destroy you from within. It's like you, you've heard it, drinking poison and expecting the person that hurt you to die. No, you have to forgive Anytime God commands us, he empowers us. Love holds no record of wrong. Let's pray. Father, right now, you're speaking at this moment to every one of us. We're forgiven today because you forgave us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't know you. You, you died for us before we even knew you loved us. And I pray for every marriage, every family, every situation right now, God, that you would speak to them. 
and you would allow that forgiveness to be issued from them, they would step out and move forward and do just that in your power and in your strength and your ability. Let me give you one more thing, and then we're going to worship at the end. Who's watching as Peter's being forgiven? Who's watching? The other disciples. Was that a good thing? It wasn't for Peter. But it was a good thing for them. Because you need to understand this. What Jesus did, he didn't just forgive. He restored Peter. See, failure is never final in your life with God. Failure is never final. Everything that Jesus did that evening, excuse me, that morning, was out of a relationship. See, we're here to, watch me, we're here to love God and love people and to use our time wisely. Everything you saw Jesus do to Peter, he wants to do in your life. Love is not just a hug. Love is a verb. Practice it this week. Love God. Love people. And let's learn to live in forgiveness and enjoy life.